challenges and overcoming them. There is always an option to move forward. And today we're going to talk to somebody who had a massive hill to climb and he is doing it. And it is damn impressive. So hit that music and let's get started. Joining me today is TikTok sensation, Bill Pickernell. He is a man who has really, really faced the mountain and is on his way climbing down it. Instead of being stopped by such a huge journey to go on, he leaned into it. He's been working really hard. I rarely see people work this hard. And because of that, I wanted to talk to this man. Bill, Bill. How are you doing today? Doing good. Really good. Let's see if I can change that. So, <laughs> one, thank you for coming on this podcast. This will probably be, um, hopefully it'll be fun. If not, at least the tears will be genuine. Let's, let's really start. You are on TikTok. You post these workout videos where at your size, you are busting your ass. You are lifting weights. You are doing your best to run around. You are doing these dead bug things. You're doing lots of things seemingly all the time. And you're documenting it in what I might add is a very honest and genuine way. How did you get here? I wanted to change my life and I didn't know where to start. And for me, I just started like, what's an easy workout? Sit down, stand up. What's an easy workout? Shout out. Like, I don't know. It just, I wanted to be movement again. The idea of the weight of 274 pounds is truly extraordinary. 674? 674. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Have you been heavy your entire life? What's that been like through childhood? What was your childhood like? Um, my childhood was... I, I was always the bigger guy. I was, you know, like in eighth grade graduation going to high school, I was voted most likely to be a sumo wrestler because I was always the biggest. That kind of sticks with you. I was always the lineman in football. I was always the big guy you'd come to call to, you know, pick up the sofa and put it outside or in the truck, you know, it just, I was always the big guy. So you were big, but you also were to some degree, at least in your youth athletic, correct? Oh yeah. Like in uh high school, Native American award for our tribe is the Jim Thorpe Indian athletic award, which I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Thorpe. He's a, uh, he joined the decathlon. He's in the Olympics and he won, you know, he did the decathlon and he became first and he was a Native American. Native American. So, uh, what is your tribe, by the way? A uh, Skokomish. We're a small tribe with four hundred people, and we're a really small tribe. In your tribe, in your class, you were the big dude. Mm -hmm. As a kid, you were the lineman. You did you? I don't know how old you are, but as you transitioned out of your teenage years into your twenties, were you able to some degree to to maintain? that kind of physicality were you able to maintain your athletic side to yourself for a period of time how did it how did you go from just being like the big guy who still was athletic the lineman to where you are now where you were not now where you were a couple of years ago well when you're in high school you get you know you have the track and field you have wrestling you have football you have actually i did cheerleading so i did cheerleading and you know you do all these sports in you know freshman sophomore junior senior year but then once you get into high school you don't have those free sports and you get to do it every day, free gym, you know, free, you know, let's go compete against other people. And 
and my athletics seat just kind of dropped my drive to go to it because I'm not a professional. I don't, I'm not going to get paid for it. So I'm not going to do it. I do have to ask because you put it out there. What did you do in cheer? And what was your favorite cheer? <laughs> um, I, I was actually one of the people who threw people up. Me and one other guy, we threw the girls and they always said, you know, throwing the men throwing us up, it, you're going three times, two times higher than what the woman could ever do. And it's, they said it's scary because they fly so fast. I, I have to admit, just at this moment, I'm just seeing you toss a girl up and her go <laughs> yep. over the bleachers and you just slinking away with your towel. Like, Did anybody see that? Nobody saw that. But the thing is, uh, at junior, senior year, I was probably the strongest, probably even more stronger than I am now because uh, we did powerlifting every single day. We you know, hit the gym and I was benching 440 pounds, deadlifting Damn. over 550 pounds. You know, it just... That's what I did was just constantly work out every single day. On the weekends, I took my break, but I had weightlifting class instead of PE. I had, you know, weightlifting after we had football practice. I had weightlifting when we came in before school. Like, I was constantly lifting weights. So you also were uniquely primed to take up the endeavors that you've, re that you've taken up in the past two years. Because at the very least, it's not like you had a um, sedentary childhood. You were very active. Oh, and, yeah. and as, and in your teenage years, what roughly, how much did you weigh? How you were big, but how big were you? Did you know? At the junior and senior year, I was 275 to 300. I was always in that range. Okay. Proper linebacker, uh, mm -hmm. proper linebacker size. But that was in high school. So these guys are like in their twenties. So, yeah. What was the incident that happened to you that created the explosion expansion? However you want to. Did you have an inciting incident that took you from being this 275, 300 pound guy to, well, double that? I, I actually gave it a lot of thought because I wanted to make a video about it. Like what I, I'm getting a lot of people asking me that on my TikTok videos, what got you to that weight? And the only thing I could think of is I didn't handle my depression, my sadness very well. And I took to food. I took to playing video games 10, 12 hours a day because when I was younger, my sister passed away. And then a few years later, my grandma passed away a year later. My, you know, so-and-so like in 2021, we had 20 travel members pass away, family members. My dad passed away that I tried to connect. Like it's just constant death is around me. And it's, I didn't know how to handle any of that. I'm, I'm sorry for all of that, especially there's no, especially all of it is individually tragic and, and 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 i am i am sorry for all of your losses you had mentioned being bed bound mm -hmm. what happened if you if you're comfortable talking about it you can always i need to start telling this story more anyways because uh i'll get asked that a lot like what brought you to bed bound and so four years ago i throughout my whole adulthood i've always had gout i take medicine for my gout you know take this medicine and you it prevents flare-ups as often. So four years ago, I went to the doctor and said, hey, I have this foot pain. It's different than gout. Can you please look at it? They're like, oh, no, it's gout. Just take it easy and, you know, let's up your meds. And I went in a month later, hey, this foot pain is really killing me. I'm telling you, it's different than gout. Like, okay, well, your gout medicine's not work. Let's put you on a different one. Not even looking at my foot and telling them, you know, like, say this is the foot. Your gout is usually in your big toe right under it 
Well, mine is all along the second and third toe, and it's on the foot, not on the toes. And they're like, oh, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's just kelp. A couple months after that, I'm telling them, hey, I can't even stand. What should I do? They said, oh, just, you know, compress it, ice it, heat it, elevate it. Don't stand on it. And come in in a couple of weeks and see how you feel. So I did what they said. Literally didn't stand up, didn't sit up on the edge of the bed, didn't do any kind of pressure on it. I called them up, said, hey, I can't even put any kind of pressure on it. What should I do? And they're basically telling me for months on end, you're just being lazy. Just come in. We don't do home visits because, you know, you're not on that kind of plan. You're not disabled. You're, you know, so just come in. You're just being lazy. This is what the literally people are telling me from the doctor's office. And love that medical support. Yeah. This is five months now of not even doing literally nothing, doing what they're saying. Hey, take it easy. Don't, don't walk on it at all. And then I just didn't do anything because I got tired of them saying, hey, you're just being lazy. So I just stayed there. And pretty soon my foot felt just a little bit better where I thought I could stand up because the pain wasn't there. And I couldn't. And I gained 50, 60, 70 pounds. And then an ER visit happened to where I had to get, but I couldn't stand up. The, it took eight men, grown men, to get me out of my room and put me on a like a tarp to get me out of my room, a tarp that like their medical beds didn't, couldn't fit on it. And yeah, it's just a big, big ordeal that happened. But that was the day one of my change in my life. Out of curiosity with your foot, did they ever determine what it was? Did it turn out like, Hey, it looks like maybe you had a hairline crack. <laughs> yeah. So four years ago, they were telling me it was gout three years ago when I finally got in care help because I signed up for disability because I literally can't get up in. And those people were saying it's a uh, plantar fasciitis. Let's treat it like plantar fasciitis. So I was rolling my foot on ice and like uh, pulling socks with my toes and trying to get any kind of mobility. So fast forward to literally two months ago, not even that long, like two months ago, they finally x-rayed it. Four years in the, later, they finally decided to x-ray it. And I got a, I, I forgot what the name is, some like 20 letter word, but basically I have nerve damage under my second second to last toe in the middle toe any type of movement it's going to disturb them toes so i have to get steroid shots every three months and i have to go through this physical therapy and they said how come you didn't come in sooner i'm like i've been coming in for four years yeah yeah i've been coming in for four years everybody's just going like oh it's gout and you're a wimp yeah thank you so that's lovely it's it's good it's good to see that there weren't enough challenges in your life so the medical community in your area decided to make sure that you had yet another one. So awesome. But throughout that, because it doesn't, it looks like in the past two years, you've dropped over 135 pounds, somewhere around 135, yep. 140, 135, which is about 70 pounds a year. So, you know, no small feat. That's, that's really damn impressive, especially two years in a row. You make all these videos where you're moving a lot. And, and normally we save the plugs to the end, but if you're listening to this, you go to Instagram or you go to YouTube or go to TikTok. Though, really, let's get you to Instagram or YouTube instead and follow Bill at Native Saiyan. Saiyan like Dragon Ball Z, Kamehameha, and all that yep. sort of stuff. Native Saiyan. And see the kind of effort he puts in because I know a lot of people whom are trim, they are normal size. And when they go to the gym, they put in one tenth the effort 
that Bill does. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not just saying that to butter him up um, because we've agreed not to actually have butter on this podcast. today. <laughs> he works out really, really hard. You did that with nerve damage in your foot. Mm-hmm. Every time we see in these videos, you going up and down these stairs, you running around, you doing all of these things, you doing your dead bugs, like your foot's killing you. Oh yeah. Every day, all day. And that's not even the only thing that's in pain a hundred percent of the time. I have a lot of chronic pain as well that I don't talk about. I've made one video on it and that went under the carpet because you got barely 200 views. Again, let people know that when they see you doing these things, what you're actually doing and what you're pushing through to do it. So I have a sciatica nerve pain that I also get shot in every three months, which I just got it like last week. So on my left side, like the sciatica is right, like right above your butt crack. And it's both sides. It's not just, you know, hey, I got nerve damage on my left side. Can you fix it? It's it. My nerve goes on both sides. So the left side of my hip, it feels like there's stinging pain constantly going to my tip of my toe to my hip, like a hundred percent of the time. And my right side just imagine a blowtorch going up and down the side of your hip constantly like that. That's what I go through every day, every second of the day. And it hurts a lot. It just, I, they said there's nothing they could really do about it. As you drop more weight, will that take the pressure off or is this now just like a permanent condition or they don't know? They said it's a permanent condition and losing the weight possibly will help, but they don't foresee it fixing the pain because it's in your nerves and, you know, less weight on it will give it less pressure, but it's still going to hurt. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that, too. So every time you see him doing these things, these are the circumstances that he does them under every day. There you were, hospital, eight guys, tarp, pulling around, and you said that was the day. Yep. That was the day you decided to make your, you made your decision. What was the day after that like? What was... What was it like the first day you tried to do something? What I asked them is because I've seen TV shows about, you know, these 600, 700-pound guys, 900-pound guys going into these, like, live at home, let's lose weight type of things. And I asked our doctor, that the doctor who seen me, hey, is there a program that we could do this with? And they said, yeah, here's the number. And we took it down. And in 2020, they only do that for celebrities. Like, if you want to lose 50 pounds... Because it costs so much money and normal people, they even said it, normal people like you are never going to be able to afford it. So it's going to be a no. So that was my first day back after I wanted to find a live at home program that could help me lose weight. Can we help you? Yes. Will we help you? No. You're too broke. That's basically what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> you broke ass plebeian. Go yeah. away. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. Anyway, again, the, 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 the support from the medical community that you've been getting truly, truly warms the heart. It does. So you contacted this program that was sort of like, you too poor for us to talk to. Oh, don't even give us your name. You can't afford to even do that. Mm-hmm. What was the next step? How did you move on from that? Aside from the five minutes of cursing after you put down the phone. <laughs> uh, so basically what I do when I learn any kind of trade is I spend days and days watching youtube videos looking at forums looking at literally everything and i put in how to lose weight and billions of things pop up when you type that into google i was like okay what okay how to lose weight as morbidly obese 
again, billions of things. Look, literally, I found out in 2021, literally everyone's going to put their two cents in if you're mor- morbidly obese on how to lose weight. If you lose it too fast, hey, you're losing it too fast. Don't lose it too fast. If you're losing it too slow, what are you doing? You're not losing it slow. Like, it, no matter what, people are going to say stuff about you. But I forgot what we're talking about. I'm just going on a rant. No, no, feel free to go on a rant. First off, it's amusing. And two, it's informative because the reality is that's true. One of the reason I'm doing this is I know it works for me because one of the realities of, of weight loss of any kind and fitness of any kind is what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another mm-hmm. person because we're all different. So even though I myself have been having struggles lately because of various circumstances, some degree of depression and whatnot, where are my ups and downs? What works for me is if I'm doing keto and intermittent fasting, that works for me. Mm. Um, in a way that doesn't work for most people. And I, after an adaptation period, I'm, I can be very, very physical on keto and I can work out really, really hard because I'm insane that way, but that doesn't mean it would work for anybody else or work for you. So it's not just finding the diet. It's finding the diet, which really needs to be an eating methodology, not a diet. This is how I'm going to eat from here on out, but also how you need to modify that methodology so that it works with your body and your, and your mindset and your, and your emotions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of people it's like, yes, try this diet. It didn't work for me. Well, you didn't do it right. Yeah. That's my little rant. <laughs> but what we were talking about before we both went all ranty on my podcast here is, um, you were turned down by these, can you pay us an arm and a leg people? And then you did research on you on YouTube to find what can you do to save your life, change how your life is going to get control back of your health and physicality. So I watched a lot of YouTube. Like, I think I spent two weeks, literally nothing else. Not didn't play any video games, didn't watch any other TV show. I think the wife was getting sick of it, but literally two weeks straight of watching YouTube videos on how to lose weight. If you're morbidly obese and, then I came across a video of a guy who was 650 pounds and now he's 270 or something like that. I don't even, I can't, can't even tell you who it was, but then he said, the thing I started was just walk from your room to your kitchen, sit down. If you could do that once and you're not tired, Hey, do it again, do it until you're tired, sit down and let's do it again tomorrow. See how many you could do. Walk from your room to the kitchen to sit down. Like, Literally, he said it was that simple to start out. And I was like, what What else can I do that's simple? And I was like, hey, I like shadow boxing. So I'd literally sit like this exact spot. And I would sit here and do it for one minute. I put a timer on one minute. I'd, and then catch my breath for a couple minutes. And then one minute, you know, mix it up, upper hooks, hooks, you know, jab, like one minute at a time. You know, like, you don't have to go crazy. Let's do it for 45 minutes. Come on, keep pushing, keep it. No, just one minute. You know, if you get in the habit of just doing it once, we're going to do it again tomorrow for one minute. We're going to do it again, like, three weeks, and then pretty soon, it's a habit. Hey, I forgot to do my shadow boxing. So, three weeks down the line, I'm just doing it just because I, it's a habit now. I didn't go crazy time, and then, like, two months down the line, I'm like, let's see how long I could actually do it. And then I got lost listening to music, like, I put my headphones on, and and I looked at my timer. I'm like, how did I do this for 45 minutes? You know, it just the insanity of just losing your time in mu- good music. You know, I found out if you put good stuff on that you want to listen to, 
you could just do it without even thinking. And I love that you said shadow boxing because I, I love fighting and, and boxing. I've never actually fought fought, but um, it, it's a big and it's fun. That's the other thing about it is there's just something in, inherently fun about throwing punches and kicks. And that that helps, I think, with fitness, too, where if you can do something it's like being on a treadmill is boring as all hell. You can get into the music and zone, but it can be it can be like a bit of a, a psychological torture to just be going in in the same spot. But when you're doing when you're getting your cardio on by throwing some punches, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to get lost in it because there's just something satisfying about and and very calming too because you know you're getting all that aggressive out on doing these things. Mm-hmm. So you started small steps. Mm-hmm. If, if I can if I can walk once today, that's great. If I can get two, that's great. If I can get fifty, that's great. Oh yeah. It just became an everyday thing. Small, small steps every day, small pieces here and there. One of my favorite quotes that I heard, I I don't know who it was. I think it's David Goggins or I couldn't even tell I listened to so many like these motivational speakers, but they said, do what you can do until you can do what you want to do. If you can only do so much, put in what you can. Mm-hmm. I'll give him a little bit of plug. Uh, previous guest, Dr. Kevin Payne, who's developed MS and, you know, sometimes has to fight against his body to do things. Will, he says, put in the bare minimum you can. If you can't do what you want to do, do what you can do. Even if it's just going down to the gym and he physically can't work out that day, he'll go down to his gym and he'll sit there and he will envision himself working out just to keep the time, just to put in that moment so that the habit building maintains. He did something as opposed to, I don't feel like doing this today. Like I I just can't do it today, so I'm not going to do it. And then the habit of letting it go because it was too difficult or there was a problem. So that's a very good step to be taking. Getting back to your journey into getting physical again. And also in fairness, you were somebody who enjoyed being physical in your youth. And I think there's something to be said about being like, yeah, I used to enjoy running around and doing stuff like that. You began shadow boxing in your chair. You began getting up, walking to the kitchen and back. When were you able to then go, okay, I've got this. I've got that. I need to add. I need to step this up a little bit. How long were you going before you began stepping up your routines? I think it's about two months into it, three months into it, somewhere around there. But I just wanted to get in the habit of just doing something, whether how small or how big ever it is, and just get in the habit of doing it. And then I was like, okay, I love anime. Like, I'm a big anime fan. And I love all the 1990s, early 2000 animes. One of my favorite characters, I'd say in the top 10, is uh, Saitama. For people who don't know, name, name where Saitama comes out of so they can hunt this down. Oh, uh, One Punch Man. Saitama. And he does a workout, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and a 10K run every single day. And I started doing, like, bed push-ups on my knees, you know, wall push-ups and dead bugs. And then as much, I didn't do 10K, but as much walking as I can every day. When I first started, it took me 10 different sets to do 100, so I did 10 at a time. And then pretty soon I got to where I could do it. Hey, I can do 15 now. Hey, guess what? I can do them in 20s now. And now I could do them in 25s to this current day, like 25 knee push-ups on the ground, no longer on the wall, no longer on the bed, but on the floor. And I could do dead bugs, and now I could do sit-ups now. Like, I 
I wasn't able to do sit-ups in decade, you know, two decades. Now I'm doing actual sit-ups with being 530 pounds. That is no small feat. Again, one of the reasons I wanted you on here is from seeing your videos and how hard you go at doing these things. It was impressive before, but just knowing your foot, your double sciatica, that's especially with something like push-ups, that is not sciatica friendly. Mm -mm. Do you do any things like um, Superman's? Do you like lay on your stomach and kind of? No, I. Uh, so I started doing a at the January. No, it's December first. I started doing a DDPY yoga, and that like doing the yoga poses and certain things just aggravated the sciatica in my foot so much more than doing my regular workouts. So the wife still does it, but I can't because that hurts too much. When I'm referring to super Superman's, what I'm referring to. Is it's a back strengthening thing, which to be honest with you, I could see it this sciatica being a real problem with this, is you would lie on your stomach. And then you would basically, just like Superman does his thing, you would basically try to arch your back. Mm -hmm. So you're lifting your chest and your legs off the floor, kind of making like a semicircle with your body. I do have hip workouts that I do. I lay on my side and we call them the clam workout, where you basically open and close your kneecap as wide as you can and it stretches the hips really good i usually do that every morning because it gets like my hips lubricated and ready for the workout for the day so you you've been slowly adding on you tried ddp yoga which i i did for a while it's it is a good workout but there's a lot of ddp and ddp yoga there's so much ddp and ddp yoga for people who do have mobility issues there are worse things you can do for yourself then DDP yoga. And I still do what he calls the broken table. Whenever I'm feeling a little bit of like an issue with my back, uh, the broken table I find really helps strengthen and heal that back pain. But again, it's not sciatica. I would imagine that that could be terrifyingly painful if you have some back nerve damage. Yeah, it's terrible. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Roughly in a given day, how much time currently? Because you've been, even, you've been at this for about Two years now? Has it been two years? I'd, I'd say a year and a half because the first six months, we just watched YouTube videos on how to work out and how to, you know, lose weight. And I found out 90% of your weight loss is going to be your food. Mm -hmm. So we focused more on food than we did any kind of working out. Very smart. And we are going to get into your food in a little bit. How long are you going on your days where you are working out? Some days I do two and a half, three hours. But I average probably an hour because I spend 10 minutes warming up, like almost the moment I wake up, like I get up and I check my phone for notifications and who I should get back to and all that. But then after I do that, then I do my, you know, my clam workouts and then my hip thrusts and, you know, stuff to get my hips going because first thing in the morning is the worst. So I have to kind of like lubricate them up, put that oil into the joints. On days you're working out three hours, regardless of how you break it down. Three-hour workouts are incredibly difficult, even for people who are good for working out. And I, I, I respect that. I appreciate that. But you mentioned food. So let's talk about your food. Because as you said, food is about 90% of the battle. Mm -hmm. Before we talk about the changes you've made, give us a little hint of the horrors that your diet used to be. Well, I worked as a poker dealer and I worked like swing shift. So I'd get there about five and then get off around one, two, three, four, five, six. It depends on how long they wanted to play poker because you can't tell a poker player, hey, we're going to shut down in 10 minutes. 
get your plane in. No, we were there until they leave. And, you know, I made pretty decent amount of money, anywhere from $150 to $500 a day, not just a pay period, but a day. And when you have that kind of money, when you're young, you're like, hey, I could go to fast food. Hey, it's 3 a.m. What's open? Jack in the box. That's only what I ate because it was the only thing open. So every day when I got off work was Jack in the box. Every day when I woke up, I was always, you know, I only live five minutes away from work, so I have plenty of time to get ready. So I'd go to McDonald's because I was never early because I only lived five minutes away. You know, your diet was basically whatever fast food was along your path. Yeah. Working graveyard shifts, even for people who are adapted to it, it that does tend to play havoc with your metabolism anyway, because you're not getting the rest you need at the time you need to get it. Yeah. People tend to gain weight when they're working graveyard shifts. And then being a poker dealer, all, literally we sat down for eight, 10, 12 hours. Like we sit there and, yeah, so between the food and the poker and then sleeping during the day, probably very little, if any, ability or time to work out at all. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe for uh, weight gain. You switched your diet, though. What did you decide to try? Or did you try numerous things before finding your thing? Um, literally anything and everything you could think of, we tried it. I found out looking back now that I was doing it all wrong. Like I'd do it for two weeks and be like, oh, I didn't lose any weight. So it doesn't work. And I'll try a different one. And then I'll try a different one for two weeks. Try a different one for two weeks. Try a different. Like, so I jumped fab diets over and over and over. And then my friend says, hey, I did keto. You know, I lost 50 pounds so far in you know, a few months. And I'm like, okay, let's try keto again since he did it and it worked. You know, so I just switched literally over to everything and everyone that everyone was talking about. And that is wrong. Do not do that. One of my favorite stories is uh, this guy... He talks about, you know, you go to the gym for one day, you don't see results. You go back the second day, you don't see results. Go back the third day, you don't see results. So it doesn't work. Let's just get rid of it. Let's not go to the gym. But I promise you, if you show up every single day with one rest day for three months, five months, six, I can't tell you when it's going to start showing results, but it will. Just stay consistent with what you're doing. It's not going to show up really quick. Just stay consistent. I don't know what video I watched, but it was saying all these people who are jumping around from diet to diet, they're not seeing results because they don't see results with it so quick. And so I decided to try my, I'm pretty sure it's a diet or if it's some sort of like genre of diet, I don't know, but I took it one step at a time for two weeks straight. I wrote down literally everything I ate. Oh, I had uh two soda cans for breakfast. I had spaghetti. I had garlic bread, like I didn't write down calories of what they were. I just wrote down what I ate, took pictures and documented it. And then after the two weeks, I was like, okay, where is all my calories coming from? Oh, I'm drinking 700,000 calories of just soda. That is a huge chunk. Just breaking it down. One week we took out soda. We're not drinking soda at all. So for a whole week, everything else was the same, but the soda. And then the next week is, what else are we going to work on? Okay, we have a lot of pasta, so we're going to cut down on the pasta, try to find alternates for, and we like a pea pasta, something, I don't know. It's a veggie pasta. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that is exactly what it is. But we substitute the pasta with, you know, veggie noodles type of stuff. You know, then the next week, hey, let's add a salad to lunch, you know. And then the next week, while we're doing week three, we're also doing one week one and two. So we're slowly adding or taking away something that's more 
healthier for what I'm doing. We're not making it just a fab. We're only going to do it for six months and lose 40, 50 pounds. We're going to make this a whole lifestyle change and not just temporary fix. Right. It's an eating methodology. It's not a diet. You're not mm-hmm. on a diet. You're going like, okay, we're getting rid of refined sugars. At the very least, we're getting rid of things that are nothing but sugar. So off they go. That was week one. That was the sodas. And out of that, as you said, at least 700 calories per day mm-hmm. gone. And it's all, all sugars, simple carbohydrates, high glycemic and all that stuff. If you were to take a look at it now, what would you say your eating methodology consists of? I don't know. The best way to break it down is high protein, lower carbs. I like my meat. I'm never going to be a vegetarian or vegan. I love my steaks. I love my hamburger, my turkey, my chicken. You know, I love that stuff. You know, basically, I want to build muscle too. So that's what I found out. You want to build muscle, get more protein. Yeah. To carry in 500 pounds, you need to be stronger. What do you do for your uh, fats? Are you somebody who um, does butter? Is it olive oil? What do you do? I, <laughs> I don't know. My wife does the cooking, so I really... Don't know. I know she switched from uh, olive oil to, or vegetable oil to olive oil, I think. And she switched, like, we're making small changes, literally, even to this day, you know, 100 weeks later. We're still trying to make small little changes here and there. So instead of flavored water, we're going just straight water. I don't know about the pets. I really don't. No problem. Do you do seltzer water? Do you get, like, a have a soda stream where you get a little bit of fizz? That way, it's it's water. But at least there's like a little bit of a kick to it. I found that that helped oh, I, me. I tried that a couple of years ago and it just tasted weird to me. So we never had it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all individual. So you yourself said you were a certain weight. How did you change your foods? When I was 270 pounds about five years ago, what ended up happening is I first tried to go lower carbs and whatnot. And that worked out for me a little bit. I then went to a gym. I go to a gym and still to some degree go there by a guy named Eric Fleischman, Eric, the trainer. And he put me on one of his diets and it was called the sleek ninja diet. And the thing about it is when I was trying to lose weight, I had got involved in a stunt class and I was, that was my major form of working out like a couple times a week. I would pretend to fight and do all of that stuff and fall and roll and stuff that I do because I'm mentally, I am seven years old and I never will not be. He put me on this diet, which was incredibly almost no fat, but very low fat, lean, lean protein, some fruit. And I ceased functioning as a human being for a month. Like I'd gone from where I could work out three hours at a time where I couldn't work out 20 minutes before I was totally gassed and out. And I realized that this diet had worked great for a lot of people, but it wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. So I went to do keto and keto is where I really began losing weight. And first I was just doing keto. Then I, at the suggestion of Eric, I threw in, he didn't call it an intermittent fasting window. He was like, I want you to stop eating at five o'clock at night. I challenge you stop eating. You stop eating at five o'clock at night for a month and I will give you a hundred dollars. He never paid up. He never paid up, but I did it. And then that became a habit. My good habit. What works for me is fairly strict keto. And the intermittent fasting window, which worked out to be six hours. And I thrived on that. I've just been having difficulty, even with doing this podcast, in getting myself back on that track because I'm an emotional eater. You know that song. Mm -hmm. You know that song. And even right now, I'm ashamed to say I'm in a downturn. I've not been doing well with my diet. I've put on a little bit more. 
I'm having difficulty getting that control back. And I feel bad about that because I know what to do and I know how to do it. And for me, I'm like you. I love working out for three hours at a time. I had periods of my life where for five, six days a week, I was at the gym working out three hours a day with my buddy boxing and lifting and flipping and being an idiot. Just right now, I'm having difficulty getting that back on track. Uh, I admire that you that you are chugging along in a very, very solid way with like some really good philosophies and decent ways of looking at things, especially when there are things that potentially could trip you up and you make the mental decision not to let them. I admire that a lot. One, you got your physicality on track and you're working that angle. You got your diet mostly through conscripting your wife to think about and structure your diet for you, which is wonderful. It is, it is wonderful to have a supporting partner. It truly is, especially if you can't cook. And the other piece of this puzzle for you, I think, is the way you utilized social media. Because I encountered you on TikTok where suddenly in my feed, there you are doing what you do. How did you get to that? How did, how did you begin utilizing this social media structure to assist you in your working out, your motivation? How did you become Native Saiyan? So basically what I wanted to do was I, I went through my own head, like, how can I keep myself accountable? How can I keep going every single day? Because I want to keep doing this and I want to do it for me. You know, when I was, let's say 30, I'm 36 now, going to be 37 this year. When I was 30. You won't I, hold it against you. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 30, you know, I weighed, I think it was 400 pounds, 379, like, I don't know. But I wanted to lose weight then, but I wanted to lose weight for X reason, you know, for someone's reason, for someone else's reason to tell me, you know, you need to lose weight because of this or that, you know, for once I wanted to lose it for me, for myself to be happy. So I was thinking in my head, where can I put this? I was like, even like, I have a diary that I literally write in. Oh, it's over here. I wrote your notes on it. I have a diary that I literally write in every day. I was like, this will keep me accountable. I'm all, no, I need something bigger, something that I'm going to see every day. So I was like, let's take it to YouTube. Let's take it to, you know, YouTube is actually where I started. And then someone said, hey, this TikTok thing is growing huge. You should take it to TikTok and funnel them to YouTube. And I was like, I don't even know what TikTok is. So I went on it and and then I was scrolling. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. People just make some weird dancing videos or talk. Or, you know, so I was like, all right, I'm going to post my weight loss journey. And my first video was my first, my week two weigh-in of 2021. I got 2,000 or 3,000 followers day one of my TikTok. It hit 100 and something thousand views in 24 hours, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is crazy. What's going on? You know, I, it's just like, whoa, what happened? You know, I don't even know what happened at that, you know, how I felt. So I, all I wanted to do was to document for myself saying, hey, you didn't work out today. Make a video, you know, that you did something, anything, shadow box then, sitting down, standing up, you know, walking to the kitchen document literally anything. That's the whole reason I started it was to keep myself accountable. How has been the response from the community? <laughs> uh, anywhere from you're doing amazing. You inspired me to lose 50 pounds and keep it up to you're just doing this for attention. You're not showing any kind of product. Like it's literally anything and everything between that. But I do it not for the negative comment. I do it for the people telling me I'm the reason they're getting back on their weight loss journey. I'm the reason that they lost five pounds in this month. I'm um, the reason that, 
you know, they want to also make content and show their story because I'm giving someone inspiration or someone their own voice. You know, another question occurred to me that's slightly off tangent, but about TikTok is, do you have a couple of followers that are like that? So you get your comments and I can see from you've got like 400 comments, like any given videos can have like hundreds to thousands of comments. And of course, being a single human being with a very finite number of hours in the day, you put out three videos one day and each one has 500 comments. You can't read or see all of those comments. But do you have a couple followers who it's sort of like, there's Bob. I, I knew Bob was going to be there. Hey, Bob. I love you, Bob. Do you have your favorite followers? You don't have to name them. But there's like a couple followers that they're always there and you always know and you're always happy to see them. There is a couple of dozen people who like there's this one guy who comments literally the same thing on every single video. I'm proud of you. Keep going. I'm proud of you. Keep like literally on every single video. I could tell the videos he watched because he puts the same exact comment in every single video, which I'm later on. I'm going to count how many and like, yeah, it like a little. Yeah, it's pretty cool that they're so invested in me, which in my eyes, I see myself as a nobody. I'm just a Joe Schmo on a Native American reservation, you know, and, you know, to some people, like when I went to, um, anime nyc i met this one chick she's like five foot three five two she's a tiny little girl and she was literally fangirling that she met native saiyan and like i had to like pry her off of me because she yeah <laughs> it was like i'm i love you yeah, too yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it's so surreal to me because like if i go to walmart i'm not gonna get bombarded like that if i go to the mall you know i might get noticed once maybe twice but when I post a video on social media, hey, I get the, you know, 500 comments, I get 20,000 likes, I get the average of 2,000 new followers every day. You know, that's what I am on social media. But in the real world, I'm just me. True. But then again, that's every celebrity, you, any of them, it's, 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 it just so happens that your audience is through TikTok versus through a TV show. And it's, it's the same kind of thing where to the end user, you are this personality, this persona, this person, and to watch you and to meet you. And of course, by doing the social media, there's that sense of knowing you, especially since some of the videos you post, you are very, very open and honest. You did a, a video that touched me earlier today. I don't research or do anything because I'm lazy, but I opened up TikTok because I had some moments to kill before doing this interview. And there you were. And you were talking about friendship. And the whole feeling isolated that there aren't that many friends, which is, I think, a problem most people in the adult years go, especially when there's no work or the social isolation, because unless you're the person making all the phone calls and you're the person creating the event, usually there's no event. Friendships fall away after they don't fall away necessarily, but the whole we all get together on the weekends and do stuff doesn't happen after college. Your friends are your immediate circle of who your worker, your coworkers are, or who's at a church if you're going to a church or a community center. But you, if you're separate from all of those things, it's sort of like there's three people from high school that you talk to every couple months. And I think everybody's like that. So um, you did this very open and honest video, very vulnerable video about how that made you feel. And I was sort of like, oh, man. And I was very emotionally invested. I had not spoken to you. I didn't know your name was Bill <laughs> until we started, until a half hour before we started recording. My first question to you was like, so you, 
<laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've seen you cry. I've got to look at this piece of paper to just remember what your last name is, which is Pickernell. Yep. So, like, but if that, not for that piece of paper, it would be, I would be doing some weird thing to try to get you to say it. <laughs> People emotionally connect. God, I can talk. I have a little note saying, use less words. And yet I never do because I'm in love with my voice. When somebody meets you from your perspective, hey, stranger, I've never seen before. Oh, you've commented. Lovely. But for them, they saw you pour out your heart about your friends. They saw you suffer, like going up and down those stairs. They saw you doing the dead bug or the push ups or shadow boxing. And they saw you sweat and suffer and talk about the setbacks and talk about the pain and how you're pushing through it. So they have a lot to be vested in. They are connected to you. Even if for you, it's like, I think I saw you comment once. Thank you. Yeah, I get that all the time. I get that all the time. Like, do you remember me commenting on this video? I'm all, I, I want to lie to you and say I did. Like, I don't like lying to people. I, I could say, yeah, I've seen it and I appreciate it. But I get like some videos, like I think my most viral video has 20,000 comments on it. Am I going to see 1% of those? I don't think so. You know, it's, I'm not going to see it. In, in a lot of ways, it's, it's a lovely thing to have a bunch of people so vested in the journey you're trying to make. That's a lot of support, mm -hmm. but you are doing really well. Yeah. And not that I'm somebody to be like, you know, Bill, I'm proud of you, <laughs> but you know, Bill, I'm proud of you. You're doing some damn good work mm -hmm. and let's do a little bit more good work. What thoughts, what final advice? What advice would you give somebody struggling with their own journey? Be the wise man on the hill for a moment. Even if you're not in a hill, even if you don't have a hill to be on at the moment. <laughs> the best advice I, I usually try to give people is like one of my favorite hashtags that I use is hashtag. This is my story. People are going to say, hey, you're not losing weight like Bill, like I am. You're not losing weight like, you know, Zach. You're not losing weight like blah, blah, blah. This is your story. Don't let other people say you should be losing it faster or slower. Or, you know, if you're losing one pound in a month, 12 pounds in a year, you're doing great. You're losing. It's going downward. Don't let people put down your progress that you're making. You're making progress. Keep it up. You're doing amazing. That's it. my favorite thing to tell people is you're doing great. How many people in your life tell you that you're doing great? Not very many. How many people, my favorite thing also to tell people in the comments is I appreciate you. How often do you get people to appreciate you? You know, I'm trying to positively tell people that I see them and I love them and, you know, do it at your pace. It's your story. It's no one else's. It's yours. I think that is wonderful advice. And again, let me say to you, you're doing great. And so, Bill, where can people find you when they're not finding you here? I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. I'm on Twitter. If you just type in Native San, most likely I'm going to pop up either in a fat gum uniform or a Naruto uniform or a, some sort of anime uniform that I'm going to pop up. Before I give my plugs, I will ask you one final question. Important question. The kind of question that I believe the people watching this really, really want to know. Who is your favorite Saiyan? I am. <laughs> In the Dragon Ball Z universe, who is your favorite Saiyan? Uh, it'd be Nappa. 
I love just Nathan. how yep he's at the very beginning of the Z, the Z saga. Oh, I know who he is. Dragon the Ball bald Z. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just An interesting, that, interesting choice. Just how goofy and all his whole life is about fighting, and I don't know. I just I loved his character since I've seen him. It's all. It's usually always Goku, Vegeta, and then if not that, Gohan. Which I'm gonna have to admit, like to being uh, I like Kid Gohan. Anyway, as for me. When I'm not watching anime, you can find me here on the fittest fat kid, you know, and on my socials, which are TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, even got a Facebook page and it's all at fittest fat kid. If you want to reach out, if you've got a question, if you have some need or help with your fitness journey and you have nobody you can ask this question to, you can ask me and you can do that at hi there at fittestfatkid.com. And you can go to my website, which is www.fittestfatkid.com. So, no matter who you are, and no matter where you are or what you're doing, hold yourself accountable, but do it with kindness and understanding. And I'll talk to you next week.